0: Welcome to Tales of a Pair Entrepreneur, with your host, Dr. Biz, a.k.a. Jamie Reeves. Welcome to Tales of a Pair Entrepreneur, a podcast that tells the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And if you're a business owner and parent, I salute you as they are two of the hardest things you can do, and you are doing both together. I'm your host, Jamie Reeves, a.k.a. Dr. Biz, and on today's episode, we have a very exciting guest with more than a tale or two to tell. A serial entrepreneur and angel investor specializing in fast growth tech startups, Adam made a name for himself disrupting the world of e-learning as the founder and CEO of Learning Heroes, which went on to be acquired by a Silicon Valley tech giant for an eight figure sum. Retirement didn't suit Adam very well, so instead he's now turned his attention to, to disrupting the world of corporate coaching with his latest startup, coaching culture. He has a true passion for all things business, in particular, strategy, marketing and mindset, but his, but he's here today to talk to us about entrepreneurship as a parent. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Adam Cara. Welcome, Adam.
1: Thank you, Jamie. I feel like I have to live up to the intro now. I mean, you're more of a showman than me, so I'll try and dial the energy up a bit.
0: (laughs) Well, I always try and give sort of like an X-factor kind of grand entrance to it. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's it's kind of the haven mate that's still in me, I guess. So I'm going to go full Alan Alan Partridge with my first question, Okay, (laughs) So just to um, pre-warn you, how do I become a twat?
1: How do I Think what Adam thinks. Do you know what? Um, it it was a, a so-called a friend who came up with that. I don't know how much of a friend they think they are, but yeah. So, so I th- it's an interesting one because I think that's quite often like what goes through your mind when you're thinking of a mentor or a coach. You're like, well, what would what would you know so and so do? Yeah. And I think yeah. I might have said at the time, I need them to think what Adam thinks, and instantly she goes, "Oh, that stands for twat. That's quite appropriate." So. You know, uh, uh, unfortunately, I didn't come up with it, but I'm running with it. Yeah. So. so, you sold your business for eight
0: figures, and and that business started in 2014. Yeah. We so look back 10 years. How is Adam different from then to to now, um, especially as either an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur balancing the plate of of having kids too.
1: Yeah, I think actually quite different. And I think if you'd asked me only a year or so ago, I, I don't know if I would have reflected in the same way, but I think, I think I'm think i trying to change gear a little bit mm-hmm. now. But yeah, I mean, I, I started my first business in 2010. My, son, my wife was pregnant with our first child. It was, you know, I was in a fairly well-paid corporate job, company car, pension, whatever, you know, all, all the security, safety net. Yeah. I wasn't loving it quite stressful and quite, you know, I was living out of a suitcase in Luton, and traveling two, three hours every week just to get down. Was, you know, it wasn't ideal. And I said to her I wanted to start a training company and obviously like most people's normal reaction, the fear of risk and loss and, you know, everybody who starts, you know, starting a business is risky and you lose all your money and all the rest of it. But I think I had the self-belief and the, you know, the, the willing to, to try and if it failed... I've lost a few months income. I'll go get a job. It didn't feel that risky to me. Yeah. But I think with a kid on the way, um, you know, obviously for, for my wife in that time, feeling like wanting security and whatnot, it was probably, it was difficult conversation. It was difficult expectations to manage, but you know, I'm kind of like that. I've, I've, i probably headstrong and push on and do it anyway. Yeah. Um, So starting that business then with the drive to make it work, replace your income being the first goal of most people leaving employment to set up a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I before coming on this podcast, I talked to her and I was like, you know, arguably I've got better work life balance since starting my own business rather than when I had a job and I was traveling or I was working long hours or whatnot. And she says, Adam, you were taking sales calls while I was in labor, you know, it was like, um, so so it was interesting to get her perspective, actually, of kind of like the challenges of being a parent and what it was like at the time and um, trying to get that first house and difficult getting a mortgage as a self-employed person. And yeah. obviously that's kind of part of that journey as a family and wanting a bigger, bigger, you know, another kid coming in and wanting a bigger house, on holidays, managing to take time off and all those things. So I, I, I think... My perspective is, well, I put the business first and I just kind of, like, did whatever. I think her perspective is probably that maybe there was more sacrifices made. um, So in those
0: early years, were you working quite a lot of hours then? Were you kind of doing the 80, 90 hours a week to
1: to get the business up and running? No, and I don't know why. I think I, I kind of... One of the first things, like when I set up my business, one of the first highest principles that I wanted was work-life balance because I don't think I had it in employment. That was, yeah, that was probably the, the the opposite way around for me compared to a lot of people who go into business and they're having to do all the hours. Yeah, I kind of I think I had clear boundaries. I think I more or less did a nine-five Monday to Friday, which you know a lot of weekend. I'd, I'd probably fill a few weekends just if I had the time. I'd do some admin stuff but I kind of put those boundaries in place and I think that's what forced me to think of ways of, you know, of of scaling or ways of delegating, ways of outsourcing or automating and just being obsessed with, you know, I'm not going to compromise on the hours because like I could do 80 hours. Why not 90? Why not a hundred? You know, there's got to be a line somewhere. Uh, So I pretty much drew that line. And then after that, then there's always there's just always an infinite amount of stuff to do. So you have to, at some point have a a way of saying, well, you know, that's, that's, that's the limit. Yeah. If I want to do more, I've got to get more creative than just thinking I'll just work harder. Like I, it breaks my heart when people say things like I have to work harder. I'm very much a work smarter type person, but probably still work quite hard, but it's never, there's more work to do. You can't just, it's not sustainable to dig deep every week, is it? So, no. you know, that's been that's been kind of the mindset that's probably led me to look at creating a scalable business, really. Well, that's one of my, my goals
0: is always to be one of the hardest-working lazy bastards you could ever meet. <laughs> that that I, I want that written on my tombstone, I think, um, because that way then I've got to develop myself and develop the people around me to be able to do that, to be able to to build the kind of company that I want and to be able to do the kind of things that I want to do with my family. So when I looked at your your current company, it says the role of a manager, in short, is to become a coach. So I'm guessing that you put a lot of those things in place with your first company to, to help you keep to those boundaries of the hours that you wanted to work and develop the people within your business has been key to being able to build the kind of business that you want and then still have the kind of family life that you want
1: there's definitely elements of that there's definitely kind of a bit of practice what we preach and like you know I, i think i am i'm a good mentor in terms of sharing actual advice and then also can be a good coach where it's trying to bring out the best in people and kind of let allowing them the space to push their comfort zone and maybe fail and learn and develop but The business I'm currently in is mainly because of a bigger, wider trend in organisations that they are realising that a modern generation of worker, they expect to be treated differently. You know, the days of old industrial where it's like, just tell them what to do and they'll do it. Younger generations coming to the workplace, have been parented in a different way, educated in a different way, and they expect to be managed in a different way. So we're sort of helping managers change their approach so you know our customers are typically bigger organizations it's not necessarily business owners and talking to them about how to do it but it it would apply of course it would apply yeah but typically we're working with companies who it's mid managers who they've just not got a clue on uh how to to manage a modern generation really and do
0: you think that's because of this? the educational system that they came through is very different to the educational system that that is today because one of my complaints about the educational system really is that we're teaching our kids to almost be like Google um, just to kind of remember everything and not enough is done to kind of help with their mindset and and be creative. Um, Being a singer, creativity is really, really important to me. And my other kind of big value is sport and in both of those arenas creativity is king um and I think that we don't teach enough of that from an early age to to help people on their journey through life
1: yeah incredibly you know I think I grew up with that generation of you must get good grades to go to a good college to go to a good uni to get a good job to buy a house that you're never in and go on holiday where you're actually happy for two weeks of the year and miserable for the rest of it yeah um so I think daring to dream that there could be a different way, like, you know, start a business, try and have financial freedom, try and live life on different terms. It uh, was always the goal. And I think going through that journey of trying to escape that, like mentality that you are just on the rat race, I think, has made me look at education very differently. So I probably would have said to my kids, yes, you should try hard and get good grades. Whereas now I'm like, I don't really care what your grades are. As long as you're enjoying it, you're happy. As long as you're building character skills, absolutely creativity, but, you know, resilience and the ability to believe in themselves. And if they, you know, follow their interests and, 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 communicate and collaborate and all of those things that actually realizing in business, what matters more is things like emotional intelligence and, you know, coping with failure and setbacks, all of those things. And I do feel exactly the same that school just has not caught up. You know, if, if you need to know something, it's all at our fingertips. We can find out anything at any point now. So, you know, for me, it's far more important that they explore curiosity you know and and develop that as opposed to you must know this and we, i mean it's it's it it would be laughable if it wasn't tragic it's it's pretty it's pretty bad so absolutely so you're quite business orientated
0: yeah what's that like with your family are your kids quite interested in business is your
1: is your wife quite interested in business oh it's a brilliant question my wife no like she's polar opposite she Wanted to be a primary school teacher from being a kid. Yeah. Achieved that, became a teacher. So it blows my mind that there's some people out there who have a job where they get paid no matter on what the business performance is. You know, like, if it, it just blows my mind. I've lived and died by the sales we make. You know, like, we we eat what we kill. Yeah. Whereas, you know, she's just... It's just a non... No commercial bone in her body, you know. So to then have somebody like me who our life depends on the performance of the business. And I'm you know, can we go on holiday this year? Well, hang on. I need to wait and see if that gets paid or, you know, all that sort of stuff is quite a challenge for her. But I think uh, with the kids, it's a really interesting one because I think a lot of my entrepreneurial drive came from as a young kid, feeling like I didn't have a lot and, and, and wanting like I said, wanting to have financial freedom, wanting to be able to afford things or just, just. But, but my kids won't have that. My kids are obviously now the kind of, a lot of benefits of the business being successful and they probably won't grow up with the same feeling of lack that drove me to want to achieve. Yeah. So it, it does worry me because I don't want to artificially manufacture situations where it's like, you know, throw them in the deep end and go and, Sink or swim type stuff. So I I don't know. I do I do. It is a quandary for me to how much do I push them into entrepreneurial ideas. If I'm, my daughter wants to be a teacher, so it, you know I'm careful not to push all of my values onto her and project what you know what I would want onto her. And my son, typical teenage. Well, he's, he's just turned thirteen, so he's just early early stages of teenage. Typical, just wants to sit on his Xbox. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say lazy in terms of, you know, trying to get him to help me put the Christmas decks away was impossible, you know, like that sort of thing. But like you said before, I think lazy is a virtue. I think if you, you know, a lazy person will always find a quicker way of doing something because, you know, they're, they're not necessarily wanting to put the effort in. So, you know, I'm kind of like just carefully allowing them to develop themselves and just like small bits of influence. But I'm, abs- I'm definitely not trying to like, shape them into being a mini me and I don't know if that's right or wrong but it's it's on my mind a lot so
0: one of the things that I I think about my kids because I I would probably say I'm working middle class so I worry about they they do get most of the things that that they want or or need not necessarily spoiled I'm not kind of going out and buying them Montclair coats or or kind of um moschino t-shirts or anything like that they're not that spoiled but if they want to go and do this course like a, a media has been lucky enough to be chosen by um english english youth ballet um and doing like a big show in in manchester in a, a few months time um but that comes at a cost but we're always able to kind of go yeah if you want to do that as long as you put the work and effort in you can do that so does it Do you then worry kind of like, how do I stop my kids from feeling spoiled that they can, that they have all these opportunities and they don't have to kind of work or scramble and and know that, well, yeah, you can't really do that because we we can't afford to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like like I had in my upbringing, I I was lucky enough with my mum and dad, they were able to give me a lot, but not everything. Whereas my kids are a little bit different. They're able to have pretty much most things.
1: Yeah, it, it that, and that's the sort of thing that I wrestle with quite a lot at the moment, um, especially, you know, everything's one click away on Amazon. So my wife's like, well, he needs a new bike. And I'm like, well, what's he going to do? Not have a bike for three months till Christmas? I'll just buy him one now. And it's a really weird, I wouldn't have had that. I yeah. would have been, you can have your sister's bike when she's done with it. Do you know So so Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether I'm like, either killing any ability to, you know the drive or whether he'll find his own way and solve it whereas my daughter is very entrepreneurial like but wants to be a teacher but she's always like I'm going to start a perfume business I'm going to start this business I'm going to do it so it's it's quite a strange thing like I'll t- I'll definitely try and get across a few principles to them you know I'll point out things like we we did the the chocolate story is a uh is in York it's like a little museum tour yeah and they're obviously seeing all this stuff about chocolate and I'm seeing all the entrepreneurial lessons in it going, well, that person took the risk, that person invented something, that person, you know, so I try and like subtly influence some of the lessons, but I, I definitely don't sit here dreaming up ideas. Like, like how can I get them to start a business? You know, but you know, and I, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know if I'm actually, you know, they they, they could have such a, you know having somebody people pay me thousands of pounds to mentor them on business and i could i could mentor them for free and i don't know whether i'm denying them a service that they'll one day wish i'd done or whether actually they're just whatever they're just kids they want to get on with their life don't they
0: yeah and it's difficult as a parent as well because they will only listen to you so much before yeah. they start switching off because your dad and
1: dad yeah.
0: like this again so it's it's yeah well,
1: i've accidentally become the manager of my kids football team I, Sort of sleepwalked into it. I offered to help put some cones out one day, and then after <laughs> that, I end up somehow running the team and whatnot. And um, yeah, he, he, he doesn't take my advice the way the other players would. You know, he's definitely a. a, a How do you find
0: that relationship then as a, a coach to to a player? Because that's I, I've been lucky enough to avoid that really um, over over the years, yeah. um, but it's always something that. In, you can see it sometimes some kids really treat their dad as a coach when they're in
1: football
0: and and some are like dad we
1: just do one yeah yeah it's interesting because you know i think my experience through career like i don't think i was ever that interested in coaching per se but like being involved in the world of employee development so it my, my first getting into training was health and safety and environmental it was all very technical it wasn't people development yeah so I've, I've migrated into the idea of people development doing all my own self-development you know the amount of books i've read on you know mindset and whatnot just to be able to be a more more effective bit entrepreneur you know be, be achieve my goals you go through all that self-development so I think it helps me that I know how to technically say to him, you know, like I'm not telling him what to do. I'm asking him, seeing if he can come up with the solutions and then giving him a bit of feedback and whatever. So I think I'm doing textbook good coaching and textbook good parenting, but he'll still act out. So I think sometimes I'll say to him afterwards, like, you know, I'm, I'm we're on the same side. I'm trying to help and, yeah. you know, trying to help him be a bit more aware. And I think that that's, you know it doesn't always go to plan of course but i think like that idea that really good parenting is coaching you know and, and allowing them to develop and grow on their own not trying to trying to shape them to yourself so i think i think i find it okay um I, I think i took him off in the last minute of the cup final um put an extra penalty taker on and he wasn't happy about that <laughs> but, but yeah um other than that you know it's not too bad it's not too bad
0: how do you think your childhood influenced you as an entrepreneur then? Do you think there are certain things that happen when you're a kid that, when you look back and like, yeah, that I can see why I
1: took this path now? Yeah, I think so. I think as I've got older, it's been on my mind a lot more because, I mean, my dad's actually Indian and he came to this country when he was like 15, 16. Uh, my mum's Irish. I think she came to this country when she's 12. So, I think this idea of kind of there is a bit of an immigrant mentality that, like, there's quite a lot of new opportunity. You've come to this country for opportunity and you can do a lot more. And I think I was raised, my mum and dad spoke when I was two. And I think my mum, so my mum kind of biggest influence on me growing up. And she very much was, you can do whatever you want, um, which is quite. I don't think she was like that with my sisters. Yeah, interestingly. So I think you know my mum gave me a lot of self belief, and she would kind of ask me often, "Would you know? Would you want to do that? Would you want to do this?" So I think I had, I think growing up, I very much had this idea of I can do whatever I put my mind to, and a lot of self belief. Uh, and I think that's kind of like what entrepreneurship is, really. You know, you've heard of like dunning Kruger, where it's like you're too stupid to know you're stupid, and you think you can do something, but you kind of can't. Yeah, I think entrepreneurship is like you—you're you're too stupid to know you can't do it, but actually you're capable enough to kind of pretty much follow through and do, do all right. Yeah, I think yeah. if 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 I knew what was involved, I don't think I would have started. But because you've got this blind spot, you're like, yeah, I can do that, and then actually you you learn and grow to catch up with where your your belief was. You know that that's kind of a I I think I was given a lot of self belief, and I actually very good at starting stuff. I think I'm very good at you know, that kind of what people might sort of think of like those ADHD type traits where it's kind of like a new shiny object to jump on that, jump on this, you know, like all that stuff that entrepreneurs are quite giddy about. I think like of a lot of that and then, uh, yeah, so I, I do think about my upbringing and think that it's played a huge part. Like I said before as well, feeling often like I didn't have the things I wanted, and what you know, making a promise to myself as a kid that I will never be in this situation again. I will go and earn more money. Yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of stuff there that if I, if I cared to have a therapist, it would probably unpick a lot of it. You know. Like,
0: I think that's a, an important trait to have though sometimes is being very stubborn and, and almost being too stupid to quit because yes. we've all seen the meme of that, that guy in the diamond mine that turns around and he was probably only a couple more hacks away from, from getting to where he wanted to go. I think that's a, a really important trait to have is to be really stubborn um, and be too stupid to quit. I think it's yeah. it, it's something
1: that you need as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Completely. I mean, I, I've i achieved a lot of what I've achieved to prove other people wrong, people who didn't who doubted me and didn't believe in me. And I've got to a place where I was trying to live a bit more healthier in my mind. And I was like, well, actually, why don't I do it to prove myself right and do it for all these like good reasons? I just wasn't as motivated. <laughs> Whereas if someone comes along and says, like, oh, I don't think you will do that, then I, I'm pretty driven out of, like you say, out of some sheer stubbornness or some some need to prove to other people that I can and that I am more capable. So, yeah, again, growing up in quite a big family, like I've got four sisters. When you mix all of my step siblings and everything, you know, it's quite a big family. So, I think there's an element of uh, fighting, you know, for competition and whatnot. You know, being quite competitive and quite, uh, you know, you're allowed to kind of get away with doing a lot of stuff because there's a lot of kids to look after. You know, so I, I think there's a lot in that upbringing. Which again, it really plays on my mind about my kids. Like I, I'm not creating the same environment that created me, and is that good or bad? Uh, only time can tell with with, with that, yeah. I guess. But you,
0: you're giving them what you feel is what you need, right? Well, what they need right now. Um, and yes, yeah, I, I have some of the same same things that they're not going to have the same fights, the same battles, and is that going to make them kind of world ready when they're 18, yeah. 21, especially for some of the things that, that my kids want to go into, like Amelia, having come from the world of entertainment, I know how vicious it can be and how much rejection you're going to get and how bitchy some of the people around you can be. And when you've done all those nice things for your kids and provided all those nice opportunities, are they then going to be hard enough to to deal with the realities of, of the world as it is? Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's probably down to mindset. So you've done a lot over the years with with mindset. How how did you kind of realize that that was going to be one of the most important things you needed as you grow your business?
1: I don't know why, but from a young age, like I think I remember being 16, 17 and thinking like, you know, mastery of your own thoughts is probably the secret to a happy life, you know, controlling your thoughts. And I probably wouldn't have. I wouldn't have known because I probably only really understood what stoicism was as a concept around 2014, having read a Darren Brown book on happiness, and then I got into that, understanding that. But I think from before that, I was aware of the concepts of wanting to have a, you know, a stronger mindset, as it were. And I think just luckily enough, in certain careers where they you know, go on a few courses or you do certain psychometric tests and you raise your awareness, you realize what your strengths are and what areas to work on. So, but it wasn't, it was a particular mentor. I think I was talking about something and he just said like, until you get your head sorted, no amount of marketing knowledge, no amount of strategy and tactics is going to help until your head space is sorted. So sort of certain experiences with books and coaches and whatever, um, overcoming, you know, certain limiting beliefs, certain ideas. that Well, if I'm successful, other people might judge me. And, you know, why should I have so much and other people have so little? All these like weird ideas and beliefs that I'd got into my head that I think were really holding me back. I would probably self-sabotage in my success whenever anything was going slightly well. I think it would all trigger certain stuff that I would then go and ruin it. So I, I had a lot of stuff to overcome from that point of view. So, you know, various, various things helped, particularly certain coaches, but certain books, certain self-reflection and working through new ideas and deciding to try and live a, you know, design my mindset rather than just have this accidental, you'll, you'll have come across the phrase you are who you hang around with type stuff. Yeah. Thousands of times, you know, so change, cutting out certain relationships, and trying to develop develop other ones so all the typical advice that you get just actually doing it just actually kind of like seeing if seeing if like affirmations and vision boards and trying to see if it works and actually kind of like yeah keep the good stuff that does get rid of the stuff that doesn't so with that in mind then what are your
0: daily habits that you do that put you in a the the right frame of mind to to win the day
1: I don't think I'm that good. Like I don't have these, you know, 5am morning routines. I've tried them and I wish I could. I've been good at times, but i tell you what, in terms of the theme of the show, I used to get up early every day, but parenting through my sleep cycle, I don't think I've ever recovered. You know, the parenting is definitely what changed my ability to have more freedom and time to do stuff. My routines, it's, you know I usually only have like one two three big things to focus on as long as I'm moving them forward I feel accomplished I feel like I'm having an impact you know I've, I've set up my team set up all the systems and processes in a way that my job really is to lead from the back in a way it's like I go through times where it's a sprint and it's so I guess, like I say, there's a lot of people, it's habits and routines and they're quite like, that's my success. Mine's more sprints and it's like a case of, well, where am I now? Where do I want to be? How big's the gap? How do we close the gap? What's the single most important thing I can do that's going to get me there? If ever there's anything that I could, that I have to repeat and do multiple times, I'll just delegate it or outsource it or something. So so nearly everything in my life is a sprint um, and, and going from A to B. So right right now I could tell you like the few biggest projects and that's kind of like what I'm working on but but routines I get bored so easily if I if I can't stick to diets I don't stick to exercise routines so th- that's the challenge it's like how do you if you if you're somebody who has that mindset of getting bored too easily and distracted and whatnot like how do you hack that so that it becomes a superpower rather than a, a weakness and I've had to invent my job so that actually I am always working on new stuff. I am always able to be creative and think of ideas, but I've learned over the years to be focused that if I'm having new ideas, if some, you know, I'd love to go and start a pizza restaurant next week. I'd love to go and, you know, start a retreat. for. I'd, I've got all these ideas, but if they're not within my business, so I, I, I try and keep it that everything's within this one focus, but I'm able to have new ideas and be creative but within the same lane, which is a lesson I learned, I think I started about ten different businesses, and you know, it, it, it was obviously a problem. Like learning that I have to focus, and sometimes it will feel like a job, and I have to dig deep and do the hard work. But
0: yeah,
1: yeah, keeping focused is that's a learned skill for me. It's absolutely not natural. Yeah
0: shown he said exactly the same thing um, about how he now has to focus on just one thing because otherwise his mind's going here there and everywhere Um, and it's important I think as well to kind of like say that we've got all these trends about getting up at 5am and cold water therapy and doing this and doing that you're right you have to hack it to kind of take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and do what's right for you Um, because I can never get up. If I get up at 5 a.m. for a couple of days in a row, that means for the next few days, my week's done because I've used all my energy getting up at 5 a.m. and having a massive kind of sprint through the week. Whereas if I wait a little bit and go with what my body clock likes, then I can go at a harder pace through the the rest of the week then.
1: I, I just... I could do it, but I would be it'd be boring. I don't think I'd be happier. I think I might be a little bit more productive. But what do you do when one Friday night you want to go out with your friends and you end up coming home late? And it's just I just don't find it sociable to just become a monk and just you know religiously do all these routines. So you know, more power to you if it works. But for me, like we were saying before about uh, the you know a lazy person and find a better way. I'm like these are my boundaries. I can work these hours if I can't fit it in that, I need to find a better way of doing it. And that's what forces you to take that leap into employing your first person. And then you, you know, you sign the lease on the bigger office and you think, well, I'll need to now recruit more. And I'm not necessarily, I don't think I actually wanted to be an employer and I wanted the pressure of like having to finance a business and the pressure of having to deal with customers. I didn't want that. I wanted to be rich. I wanted money. You know that that so so all of these things are kind of like oh god I've got to, I've got to now learn how to do that and take that leap of faith to oh we're going to launch international now or we're going to sign this partnership you know all these big things going through the sale of a business or writing the investment checks you know they that, that's been scary um, but I didn't I don't want to do that I don't want the stress and the pressure of it I just want the result so let's so come back to your values then of
0: going back to when you were a kid and feeling that you wanted a little bit more and you as an adult then didn't want to ever have that kind of feeling. So your values of how you want you and your family to live has then yeah. driven those business decisions that
1: you've made. Yeah, 100%. You know, at the start you asked me how have I changed in the last 10 years and I think that I said if you'd asked me a few months ago, I'd probably say not not as much, whereas now I kind of think I am trying – to. I, ask myself, do I need to be as ambitious, as driven, taking such risks, do I need to keep pushing? Probably not. It probably is okay for me to actually value stability and security, which are things that just I just don't really care. My wife, they're high up on her values list. I ignore them, trample all over them all the time (laughs) and say, my values are ambition and drive and achievement and status and all of those things. And I think actually... I'll just dial mine down a bit, dial hers up a bit and think of us, you know, as a family values, which what, what matters more. And I, and that goes back to, I think I can actually do that. I'm self-aware enough. I can curate my mindset and, and do those changes. And I, I don't, I don't think many people have been through that self-development to be that aware and actually realize the levers they can pull to change. Yeah. You know, you change your mindset changes your behaviors and that changes your results. And then you can decide, you know, is that enriching your life? Are you happier or not? So uh, I definitely have made the decision in the last few months to change a few things, be a bit less stressed about work. Um, uh, And yeah, that kind of goes back to what you said before. Have I changed? Yeah. I think, I think more recently I'm making different decisions based on a different set of values. And, has that made you happier? And has that made you a better parent? I think it will play out. I think uh, over over the over the next few years, I think it will definitely make me a better parent. Like it's a weird thing with parenting, isn't it? Because my kids are now thirteen and nine, and obviously parenting toddlers and preschool, it's it, it's a very different job now. So like everything's kind of new. So I'm now getting into this idea of well, parenting teenagers where you are shaping their character, and like you are actually, they're transitioning to uh, having, you know, an adult having their own ideas. and It's more of a discussion than a, you know, when they're a toddler. So 13 is such a difficult age. My kids are 15, 11
0: yeah. and seven. And Jack's a great kid, but at 13, it was really difficult because they are massively in the middle. They are still very childlike but they're really wanting to be an adult now yeah. and, and that conversation that you have with them when they're 13 it's it's such a kind of they battle you a lot more because of all the hormones and everything else that that's yeah. going on inside their head um it's it's a it's a tough conversation
1: yeah they go to high school they start being given a bit more independence and then all of a sudden you know they bring that home and think that they know best and we've been there obviously when we yeah. were teenagers but you know, these modern challenges to deal with, like mobile phones, certain social media stuff, certain groups, certain, you know, they live in a different environment. You know, when I was a kid, if I spent too much time on my Nintendo, it would be like, well, this is bad for you because you just do the same thing over and over. <clears throat> Whereas when I listened to my kids, four or five coordinate coordinating a team and then coming up with all these different ideas, I'm like, it's not that bad for him. Sat on his Xbox, communicating, collaborating, trying to achieve stuff. But then you, you know you worry about screen times. You worry about certain cyber bullying effects. So, you know you'll hear certain stuff, and it's like a whole different. Am I that irrelevant parent that I thought my parent you're like? You don't understand me. Yeah. So it's it's a re- it's a different era, and I guess that'll always be the case. Every new generation. But but the the, the I think you ask the question of, you know, will it make me a better parent? It's just so interesting to think that being a parent of young children and being <clears throat> being there, showing that they know that they're loved and they know that, you know, you're, you're helping them grow up. Um I, f- I find that they don't need me so much. Obviously, they'll happily go and sit in their room on, a, on an iPad or they'll go and do their own thing. I'm realising, like, okay, I'm ready now, I'm available, and they don't really want me. I'm like, oh, I'll go and start another business then because I've got more time than I thought so it's a very parenting is not a fixed thing is it it evolves through their age
0: yeah totally Um, Amelia's the same we've just converted the loft into her room um and she'll just spend all all her time up there on call with her friends and playing Fortnite and stuff and that my role as a parent sometimes is just going up every so often going yeah, okay, having a quick hug and, and then leaving them be on their way. Um, yeah. and you think, well, should I be doing more activities with them um, rather than just taking them to, to dance classes or just taking them to football and stuff? So when, when you were selling the business, obviously that would have been quite an intense time. Yeah. So I'm interested to know how you how you kind of coped with all the pressures that that, that comes with. Because there'll be a lot of people that listen to the podcast that maybe in the future would like to sell their business and exit their business. Um, But how do you juggle that with being a parent?
1: Yeah, I mean, so growing the business was obviously challenging. There was always the headaches of certain people and staff and challenges of how do we get more sales? How do we manage cash flow? All the usual stresses of growing a business and the desire to exit, and the you know, trying to flirt with different buyers and see if one really came to the table and sort of letting our intentions know that we would accept offers and it all happened quite quick so the guy who came and he was like you know well, what is what is your intention with the business and I'm like well yeah we, we would entertain offers and it, the offer he made me I was like yeah happy you know like we could do I could go into the detail a bit more cause it's quite interesting but for the sake of the answer to your question about the parenting it was the Really, really stressful. I was on such like I was so anxious. I was a nightmare to be around for that whole few month or two. And I did come home from work. Said to my wife, "I'm just going to go and sit in the other room, keep the kids away from me, type thing. Just like I just go and sit in a dark room on my own. And it wasn't because it was difficult. It was because it meant so much to me. It it was life changing deal that was like so material and so binary. Like if it didn't happen, yeah, there'd be another deal at some point. But it, I, I was just so desperate for that deal to happen that I was just an absolute nervous wreck for the whole period. So it, it was challenging, and I wasn't wasn't a bad parent, but I wasn't the greatest parent. I was just like just just so focused on that single most important thing had to happen, and then, you know, obviously, everything it affords the family afterwards. So it was very challenging, very difficult, and. I recently went through another partial exit with one of my investments and it was, it was bringing it back to me actually like how, because it's quite out of your control and yeah. that's the thing, you know, you, business owner, most of your world's in your control and that's what we're a bit like, a bit control freaky and a bit, you know, you are kind of like in charge of your own results and you work harder or smarter and you make it happen. That's what we believe. We, you know, make your own look type people, you know, you do, you do, so when something's out of your control I think particularly find it particularly hard so yeah that that was the the issue uh, it's just sitting there going like you know this means so much to me but it's out of my control and going out of my head doing because of that because so so used to things being in my control so did you do something after that then
0: to kind of play catch up I guess where you withdrew yourself mm-hmm. from the family and then kind of
1: Put a little yeah. focus on, on them. Yeah, we went on a few nice holidays and they're some of our best memories, you know, absolutely made up for it in that sense. And it was it's uh, forever since then, you know, we've been able to have a bigger house and all the all the nice stuff that comes with that. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it was in some way like an anti climax. I felt like everybody would be like, okay, great, let's go travel the world, but everyone was just like, crack on another day, another school run, put the bins out, and it felt very flat to me. I was like, you know, I guess lots of entrepreneurs might tell that story, sold the business, and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Like, don't get me wrong, it was life-changing, but equally at the same time, I was like, well, I'm 34, what am I going to do? I can't just start a veg patch and chill out. So I ended up, yeah, quite quickly getting back into business because I realised, like, family still didn't need me. They were still going to go to school. and I still had time to do stuff. So, yeah, it was quite quite a weird thinking I'm doing all this for the family and then realising quite often actually I'm doing it for me. Really, it's a lot of my own. I tell myself it's for the family, but in in real terms, I don't know if it is. Is that why retirement
0: was such a a short period of time for you? Because (laughs) your values, as well as being a family man... You want to be a businessman and you want to kind of
1: expand on your ambitions yeah. with that. Yeah, 100% that. And and, this, and the other thing is because it'd be impossible for me to talk about my whole journey as being a parent and an entrepreneur without really giving the, the hugest amount of credit and shout out to my wife because, you know, she's the one who's been very much supportive and take care of absolutely over index on the sharing of the parent side of things. You know, obviously. Quite nature- nurturing and caring as a person, anyway. So for her to sort out a lot of the children's stuff allowed me to be a bit more focused on the business. So it's been a true partnership in that sense. I'm, I'm a typical blokey bloke, you know. I'm not necessarily the, you know, I'd be the first one to to do all the parenting stuff. i kind of like, you know, I'll kind of like almost like I, I, for me it's. My, my wife will lead on christmas and she's like oh, we need to do all this and i'll be thinking about january goals
0: so, so, and i th- think
1: your wife and my
0: wife are, are pretty similar in a way because my wife's a nurse so she's that yeah, yeah. like, sector worker um so when it comes to christmas yeah she's the one that's organizing all the presents and doing all the the christmas shopping and i'm i'm kind of led back thinking about the business and and what we're going to be doing in the next year and and how we're going to plan plan that so i, I totally get that
1: you know, like I, was, like I said, I was talking to her and saying, what's your perspective on, like, how relevant the parent thing is to my entrepreneurship and whatnot? And she is saying how I never switch off. You know, on holidays, I'm always still thinking about business I don't properly relax. Or, you know, obviously at Christmas, I'm, I'm still always thinking about stuff. I can switch off. I don't want to. I'm quite happy to always be thinking about it. So for people who think that's sad, it's not sad. It's like no. you said. I think it's really important that you brought that up because –
0: as entrepreneurs, we do value business and we, we do value that that hunt, that chase, um, in the same way that I was saying that um, I'm a big Liverpool fan and there'll be Liverpool fans that go home and away and all they talk about is Liverpool past, present and future and, and that's acceptable. So why can't it be acceptable for us as mm. business people to do the same? but we can still be great parents and and still take care of our kids and our family and still have a few other interests, but business is kind of at the heart of what we we love doing.
1: I agree. I I, I, I don't want to get into a whole, are you born this way or is it nature nurture stuff? But like either way, it feels innate to me that like, even if it was, the world was organized differently and you didn't get paid for it. I would always be in this idea of business. Like I like solving problems, probably not clever enough to be an engineer or, you know, that sort of thing, but I like solving problems and I don't think I'd be a doctor where it's doing surgery and diagnosing illnesses and prescribing stuff. I like business problems. I like commercial problems. I like thinking to people, you know, customers, would they buy that? How could we get that to them? How could we make it? So I just feel like I'm naturally that would be my profession, even if it was well-paid or not. Like, as, as you said, you know, be it, be it football fans, be it like my, my wife's a natural-born teacher, there's people who they couldn't think of doing anything else other than be a policeman or the army. And growing up, I, I felt quite envious of people who had that clarity of what they wanted to do. Because I don't think I was as clear, but realising, I guess, business is a profession, you know, and that entrepreneurial, especially the investor side now, like it's quite a nice thing to be able to kind of be involved in it. Like somebody else is solving it and you're kind of enabling it and stuff. So it's, it's quite a nice um, realizing that that is what I am interested in. I'm a like you said, I'm allowed to be, I'm allowed to think and talk that way. I'm allowed, if I want to watch TV, it'll be a film about a business story rather than a, you know, whatever a romance film. Yeah. Well, when it comes to books, it's either a business
0: book or it's a sport autobiography for me. It's yeah. it's never anything fiction. It's it's, and even on holiday that's the same. Um, yeah. And I, I totally get it. the the Chris at Christmas. We're going away this year because that gap in between Christmas and New Year, where there wasn't that much work to do, drove me absolutely up the wall yeah. to just sit yeah. and watch films and equality street. just. Just me.
1: Yeah. No. Again, I struggle with that. Uh, it's you know, it's holidays. It does take me a few days to properly get into the holiday, and it's probably a day three or four where actually there's a moment where I realise I'm not thinking about work and stuff. It's like, oh, that's what a holiday is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, same. I, anything I would do would always be a, a say a business book or something towards that.
0: Cool. Go. So. I'm coming towards the end of the podcast now so I've got a few quick fire questions to, to ask you. What are the key three behaviors you would like to install into people?
1: Oh, I think I think clarity is so important and if you if you're not clear, you can't get clear then get curious. you know go explore stuff until you can but clarity like that absolute vision of what you're actually aiming for like self-belief, I'll never I lost my self belief once. Everything was going right. You know, I'll never, ever, ever lose my self belief ever again. It's so, so, so important that you keep that confidence and that, you know, if you think put your mind to something, you could learn about it, you could do it, you can achieve it. I guess I can tie into that clarity, like the focus thing which we talked about. So something else. I think emotional intelligence is pro- it's an area where I think being able to understand what motivates other people, be it your customers, your staff, your family, you know, being able to realize empathy for other people and, and your own emotional regulation. And I think emotional intelligence is quite important. Like I say, the stoicism is um, useful to me. So, what did I say? Clarity of focus, sort of self belief, self belief, and, and emotional intelligence. Yeah, they're not a bad three. I don't know. Yes self-belief I think especially f-
0: for your kids sometimes I-, I wish I could put it in a bottle of prime and just go there you go drink that yeah. um because you can see it in some of the stuff that they do it and you can see it with your staff as well sometimes
1: well, it's um, all tied up in that like that resilience that not not fearing failure that ability to you know to overcome setbacks there you know you can't protect them from everything and that's the thing that like it crosses my mind a lot I'm going to see, her, you know, get their heart broken. I'm going to see them sort of get rejected. And you can't, you know, you, when they're young, you kind of do protect them from everything. Whereas now they're going out into the world a little bit, you kind of realizing like they need to have that resilience factor.
0: Taking it back to kids football, one of the things that, that I've seen, seen quite a bit, Jack plays quite a, a reasonable high level of glass, grassroots. It's not quite academy level. But you see, some of the kids there that are protected by their parents that won't let them go into academies and try out for academies because they don't want them to experience that failure if they get rejected, because academies can be quite, quite ruthless. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm, I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, get them in there. Let them. In, they're either going to sink or swim. But even if they sink, they're gonna experience that failure and it's going to make them better people. Yeah. But It's really hard to explain to some people that, that yeah. they, they don't want little Johnny to experience that failure. And I think that that's one of the things that a society as parents right now, that we we don't let our kids do enough is experience failure because yeah. failure is character building and, and is what's going to make them
1: achieve more in the future. But you, you feel like you know, when I speak to normal people, and they are very much like, oh, I, I, you know, they wouldn't put themselves out there. They wouldn't take a risk. They they do fear failure, as though for some reason that means that they've failed at life. And I think it does go back to that school thing. We're told that your GCSEs are the most important thing ever. I don't think they've ever come up in my life at all. I you know this whole. So I mean, we're told to worry about that because if you if you'll you know you'll not get a job. You'll not. It's just madness that we've instilled with all this fail. You know, fear of failure. Um, and yeah, I think that's parents projecting it onto their children and I think it's like you've got to be self-aware to know that is that healthy is that like serving you if not go work on it I think I don't think people realize that quite often these things are a choice you know you can you you can absolutely shape your mindset your character and your beliefs
0: I've had so many failures along the way from kind of failing my GCSEs to nearly losing my business um and if I look back through my life, every time there was a failure within kind of like 18 months to two years, there was yeah. a success that came from that
1: failure. Yeah. 100%. I, I, all of my personal growth has come through the tough times. Yeah. not not None of it was when things were going well. It was when everything was falling apart and had to kind of like learn new things, dig deep. All of my personal growth came through the challenges. Yeah. 100%. So the next question is, what was the first record you ever bought? <laughs> I think uh, I think I was straight in with an album. It might have been like REM, Automatic for the People or Ch- uh, Re- uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication, something like that. Those are very cool answers. Very, yeah. very cool answers. Um, what's the
0: most memorable place you've ever visited?
1: I'm assuming it's somewhere like one of my trips to Italy. So I, I love I love Italy for various reasons not least the food most memorable I don't know I'm thinking right now we did this pizza making course in Rome with the kids it was a parent it was a really good kids tour that we did where it was after the sale of business we did a big holiday like you you, you were asking about before to make up for it we did lots of kids trips to the Colosseum and kids activities and one of them was the pizza making course and I think that Started me off on this whole like a hobby that I've got now of getting into doing great pieces, so that's probably one of my better memories. One of my friends takes the piss out of me a lot because I bring it up too often, so I'll yeah. probably go with that. We've talked a lot about books throughout the podcast. Um, so
0: what are your top three books?
1: I will give you an answer to this, but I am absolutely passionate about learning things just in time so like be aware of what your challenge is and then go find the right book don't just take a recommendation because I've said it, it helped me with my challenges 10 years ago so I think there's a few universally good books I think life in half a second is a must read for most people I read that, that
0: recommendation it's
1: a fantastic oh really book. yeah, yeah. I think that's a safe bet for most people at any stage. I think Essentialism is a very good book. Again, like I say, for me, focus has been a learned behavior. I would typically be quite distracted. So, like, Essentialism is it's like the one thing on steroids. It's, a, in my opinion, a better book and re- really valuable. I would, I think Stephen Covey Seven Habits, and it's a love-hate book for a lot of people. It's a bit corporate-y. It's a bit old management-style book. The lessons in that are probably the single biggest change in my life. I never used to read books. I'd probably by age thirty, I think I'd read about five books in life, and three of them were old dial books. You know, I just <laughs> I never read. But I was in a in a in, I was on a development program that uh, they, they would talk, mention Stephen Covey's Seven Habits, and I put on the feedback like, "Oh, I didn't, you didn't really go into it. You just mentioned it." And my boss's boss's boss read the feedback and bought me the book. So when your boss's boss's boss buys you the book, you kind of got to read it. So, so that forced me to read it. And that was the first sort of toe dip into self-development, reading books and realising that it absolutely changed my life. So I just got more into then reading more books. So I, I I, probably quote that most weeks, just all the time, just, you know, start with the end in mind and um, first seek to be understood to understand before being understood. All of those lessons that massively play a part in my my, my leadership style, my parenting style, I think that's a, a good book. It's a tough read. I'd say it's worth getting through, though. Yeah, I, I've read it a couple of times. I
0: haven't read it for a while, but I do remember it being a, a tough read. I think that's when the first time I read it or tried to read it, I gave up on it and then went back a few years later and read it again because somebody else had mentioned about it um and, and got a bit more from it so it's something i should
1: probably pick up and read again i'll tell you what's mind blown about that book is and it's perfect to mention it now on this podcast you read it and you think it's a book about business and management and it's not it i think it talks more about parenting and family so it talks a lot about you know, identifying the different roles, and I think I read that book at the time of setting up my business, and realizing that yes, I'm a you know, wear the hat of being a parent, and being a boss, and being a this and that. And those different roles in life, and realizing, uh, you know, being values and principles centered instead of you know, and it talks a lot about you know, listening and loving and, and being being a good father. So it's interesting you mentioned the the love bit in that
0: because there I'm I'm sure. He talks about love being not a verb
1: yeah.
0: in that book and it gave me a, an idea for a song title which I then turned into Love Ain't a Word and, and released that on my second album so it's, yeah. it's not many people that can say they use Stephen Covey as a as an influencer <laughs> for writing a
1: song. Yeah, perfect yeah, yeah indeed yeah unconditional love and I think he talks about his challenges with parenting and trying to force his kid to be great and stuff and realising that was wrong so you know, I think it's a must read, especially people who are interested in this podcast about parenting and entrepreneurship. I would say there's a lot of lessons in that book about the balance.
0: So Adam, where can people find you if they want to to search you out on on the World Wide Web?
1: I don't know. If you if you, if you want to be mildly entertained, you can find me on Facebook. But if you want to actually professionally reach out, I've nearly finished adamcara.com. <laughs> about 10 years in the making. I think within a few weeks, I'll probably have... There'll probably be something on that website finally but i don't know linkedin if you if you're desperate but i don't know adam, add me add me as a friend on facebook probably adam it's been a brilliant conversation thank you very much
0: for giving up your time today really appreciate it ladies and gentlemen please give it up for mr adam caro
1: no thank you very much it's been a pleasure <laughs>